You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello, hello. If you are new to this program, welcome to Recovering Faith. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. So as uh, anyone who's been listening to my podcast for a while knows, I just bought a house. And so uh, since I moved in, I've been having a little bit issue with mail. And so I had a I've been getting my neighbor's mail, and my neighbors have been getting my mail, and I was supposed to get a package today, but it didn't show up, and when I tracked it, it said it had been delivered, and so I thought that it was probably delivered to one of my neighbors, but I didn't know which one, and so I was kind of worried about it for a little bit, and then at some point tonight, um, somebody dropped it off on my porch, so apparently uh, whoever got it decided to, to deliver it to me. And I was worried about that for a little bit, even though it wasn't really that important. But, you know, uh, we get worried about things that aren't that important, and that's a lot of what this message today is about. Um, I'm calling today's message, Do You Love Me More Than These? And... It's about when we get to uh, liking things or spending time on things that aren't so much important. So since my sisters and I were born in the 80s, or at least my younger sister and I were born in the 80s, my older sister was born in the 70s, so you could say that we grew up in the 90s, which was the era of big summer movies. Two of the biggest movies of the 90s, Jurassic Park, which came out in 93, and Independence Day, which came out in 96, both starred Jeff Goldblum. And for whatever reason, my younger sister had a massive crush on him, though she denied it at the time. Even to this day, I sometimes still tease my sister and send her photos of the shirtless Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Though she now admits that she at one time had a crush on Jeff Goldblum, she no longer has a crush on him and can't remember quite why she was so smitten by him at the time. My sister has now moved on to Daniel Craig, though she does not try to hide it, and she doesn't really seem to mind when her husband and her children give her a hard time about it. When we were kids... I was absolutely convinced that my sister had a crash on Jeff Goldblum, despite the fact that she adamantly denied it. And the reason I knew she had a crush on him was because she wouldn't stop talking about him. The fact that my sister only spoke poorly about Jeff Goldblum didn't matter to me. It was the frequency that she talked about him that convinced me. There are actors or actresses that I don't like personally or professionally, 
And I don't talk about them. I just don't watch their movies. Or if I happen to watch one of their movies, I overlook their poor performance if the rest of the film stands up without him or her. I may occasionally in passing mention that, that I, uh, what I think of the actor or actress, but it's never a regular topic of conversation. My sister, on the other hand, spoke almost nonstop about Jeff Goldblum and how she hated the way he looked and the way he talked and so forth and so on. It wasn't just me who noticed my sister's obvious obsession with all things Jeff Goldblum either. My older sister and my mother also could not avoid noticing because, as I said, it was blatantly obvious. I told my sister that she looked at Jeff Goldblum the way in which a hungry dog looks at a piece of meat or the way a toddler looks at a lollipop and there was no way that she could convince me or anyone else that she was not Twitter-pated with him, to use a Disney reference. The reason I brought up my sister's crush on Jeff Goldblum was not just to give my sister a hard time, though I would not be honest if I said that it was not at least part of my motivation. The real reason I brought up my sister's crush was to illustrate a point, and that point being that we spend the largest amount of our time on things we love, and it is fairly easy to determine how much a person loves something by how much or how little time they devote to it. Just as it is easy to determine that someone likes or loves something based on how frequently they talk about it and how much time they spend on it, it is also somewhat easy to determine what doesn't really matter to a person based on how little effort or time they put into it. There are a lot of people, mostly men, who say that they are working nonstop because they love their family and want to provide the best of everything for them. But based on the amount of time they actually spend with their family, I think it is far more likely that they are working so hard because they are addicted to success and status, and success and status is more important to them than their family is. Whenever the subject of books come up, I like I like to say that my favorite book is A Prayer for Owen Meany, both because I actually like the book and because it is a fairly intellectual book written by a famous and well-respected author, John Irving. But when I stop and think about it, uh, and when I stop to think about which books I've reread the most in the last few years, A Prayer for Owen Meany is not even in the running. Basically, I like the idea of Owen Meany being my favorite book, or rather, I like the idea of other people thinking that it is my favorite book. Other books I often list in my top favorites are 1984, Animal Farm, A Man's Search for Meaning, and Frankenstein. And while I do actually like all of those books and have reread them multiple times, there, these are not the books that I actually reread the most often. The book that I have reread the most often uh, in the last few years is not a highly intellectual and well-known book that is taught around the world in literature classes, but rather a book that is classified as young adult fiction. The book I have read the most often is somewhat of a romance and it's Where She Went by Gail Farman. And if you haven't read the book, that book is uh, the sequel to the book uh, If I Stay, 
where this girl is in a car crash with her parents and her whole, her whole family dies, except for her and she's in a coma and she has a near-death experience and then decides she has the option of dying and going to heaven or staying on earth and she decides to stay. And the second book is called Where She Went and it's um, a couple of years later in the timeline and, you know, it's not really important for the story but for today's discussion, but yeah, that's what the book is. Anyhow, that's the book that I read most often. And like I said, I like the idea of people thinking that a highly intellectual book is my favorite book, even though based on the number of times I've read it, Where She Went would have to be one of my favorites. So, It is a common practice for Christians to say that they love Jesus more than anything. Though, to be honest, most Christians could not prove that by their actions. And the ones who can are referred to by society, and sometimes even by other Christians, as Jesus freaks, and most people consciously avoid them. When I was a small child, my father was always trying to get me to say that I loved him more than I loved my mother, even though he knew that if he got me to say it, that it would not be true. But I never said that I loved him more, and I always tried to find a diplomatic answer that would get him to leave me alone without getting me into any trouble. I remember one time when my father asked me who I loved the most, and I told him that I loved him and my mother the same, but that I loved God more than I loved either of them. Truth be told, I'm not sure that I loved God more than anything at that time, and I am certain that I did not know what it really meant nor did I have a good understanding of God. Also, had I been truthful, I would have said that I loved my mother more, uh, more than my father anyway, and the reason for that was that she always proved to me by her actions that she loved me, and my father often proved quite the opposite about himself to me. I would like to say that I love God more than I love anything else, and it certainly should be the case, but I'm not always sure that it is the case. At le- I at least make an effort to pray and read the- from the Bible every day, and I do think about God and religion an awful lot during most days. But there are also times when I don't read the Bible and I don't make praying a priority because I allow the things of the world to distract me. When Jesus announced to the apostles that all of them would fall away, Peter was adamant that he would never betray or deny Jesus. But since Jesus was God, he knew better and informed Peter that he would in fact deny him three times before the night was over. Of course, Peter uh, denied all the more that he would ever deny Jesus and said that he would die for him before he would uh, deny him. And here's how it played out in the Bible uh, in Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. 
Jesus knew that Peter would fall away, but he also knew that he would return stronger than ever, and he made sure that Peter knew it when he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift to sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren. Luke 22:31-32. On this side of the event, we know that not only did Peter deny Jesus that very night, he was trying so very hard out of fear to distance himself from Jesus that when a little girl pressured him about knowing Jesus, he swore at her. That was definitely not Peter's finest hour. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said uh, to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Not only did Jesus deny not only did Peter, I mean, deny Jesus in his time of need, but after he was crucified, Peter lost his faith and abandoned the work Jesus had called him to perform. After Jesus died, Peter gave up on preaching the gospel and went back to his previous profession, which was fishing. I really love fishing, and there's certainly nothing wrong with fishing, and Jesus obviously did not have an issue with fishing. No, the problem was not that Peter was fishing. The issue was that Peter had abandoned the greater task that Jesus had called him to, to be a fisher of men. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known Didymus, uh, Nathan from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon told them, and they said, We will go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And, uh, of course, in some other versions of the gospel, uh, some of the other gospels, it says that they said they fished all night and didn't catch any, but at your request, we'll do it. But anyhow, this one just goes on. It says, when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of a large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far off from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. 
Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Fairly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But you, when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. John 21, 1-19 There are a lot of things in this life that we can be tempted to love more than we love God, and not all of them are bad things and in and of themselves. And in fact, many of them are actually good things. But when we allow anything to take the place of God in our hearts, it becomes a bad thing. We should examine how much time we actually spend pursuing God, because if we don't spend any time on God, then we don't love Him. We should all ask ourselves if we love these, whatever these are in our lives, more than we love God. And if the answer is yes, then we need to make some serious changes. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.